0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: it's the weekender it's john gibbons we've got an action-packed weekender for you as always looking back at the reds week looking ahead to the weekend's action and loads of fun and games and promos in between but in the meantime right here in the studio i'm joined by robbie o'neill by kev walsh and amelia Bonner, dressed to the nines <laughs> you're up for an award
0: I'm up for two awards. Well, John. So I, do I apologise. <laughs> Just the facts. Um, so, no, OT Media Awards are imminent, and um, I thought I'd make an effort for the show.
1: <laughs> so, is this for your fantastic work for Liverpool Echo? Like, is it your long reads? Is it them I, I
0: reckon they had something to do. With it. Yeah, it's either that or like all of the life breaking news coverage. Um, no, damn, I'm doing the emerging talent and also young reporter, apparently. Yeah. Well, well.
1: Best of luck. Thank you. I mean Kev Well showed up for the Anfield Rap Emerging Talents of the Year. Um, so you know, see, see how that goes. Well I'd imagine i because I'm made kind of a big deal I mean, nowadays, John. So <laughs> And Robbie Oscar one day and it, made so yeah. after at least. It
2: was Oscar Valdez more than <laughs> <laughs> I
1: Suppose we've got to start with what was a sort of a bit of debacle, Kev wasn't it, on Tuesday night. I mean, you can say we underestimated them. You can say, you know, maybe they're a better team than them, sort of, what they were giving credit for. But, I mean, still, the Reds were up Oh,
3: we a terrible way. I mean, I think that underestimation is exactly what we've done. Playing matter is just a nightmare in any situation. we I mean, I think he's absolutely garbage. Sounds a little bit harsh, but he's not good enough for Liverpool, Put it that way. And to put up in the position we, where we really need the front three to start, to click in and to have him playing in behind them in a European away game like that just for like a massive gamble. There was no need to do it really considering Fulham on Sunday, you think we will beat with a little bit of a weakened team. I think we should have gone full strength there and then maybe rest of the few for Fulham, which would have made a bit more sense.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, isn't it, Amelie, because you can't pay the same eleven lads from from week one to week thirty eight. You know, you're gonna get injuries for the start, but also you're you know, you can say with freshness, but it did feel like that was maybe not quite the game to rotate in that. We've got, it's this one, then Fulham, as Kev said, oh, they could have just gone strong on that. And then, and then thought, well, it's an international break. We'll, we'll, see, we'll kind of see how they, how they get back to it. it. just felt like maybe one risk too many.
0: Yeah. And like when teams were announced before it, I kind of had a feeling of, but I'm very yeah. much, I don't like to doubt what he's doing. And we'd always yeah. back decisions that he makes for whatever reason, because you never know what thinking's behind it. But it did, I think it was Mel shared the quote from Milner that was... um she she asked kind of at what point it went wrong and he just said we didn't start kind of from the first whistle we didn't start we weren't there and it did look like on the pitch like they weren't there they weren't present they weren't starting it wasn't clicking at any point in the match Um, and I think underestimating them and the difference between playing them at home and away was a massive part of it in that like I think we talk a lot about people underestimating the atmosphere at Anfield and like when they come being blown away by it and just completely underestimating us and kind of the impact that can have on a game I think maybe we did that with them
1: yeah, I mean you can't just blame the lads who came in, can you? Robbie? Amelia's right to point out that you know Lalana, he doesn't look great at the moment. He looks way off what we know he can be. But he started games for Liverpool this season and we won. Joe Matip, he's probably fourth choice <laughs> centre half now, but we've started games this he started games this season and we've won. And did the, the other lads you know need to take up as much responsibility really for that performance? Because the attitude just didn't seem quite right. Yeah, there was there was just a
2: total lack of aggression. Throughout the, the team, which staggers me for a year, and club sides, but it is something I think has been creeping in for a few games now. I thought spoke volumes at Arsenal in particular. I thought Arsenal just if you'd have to, if if you'd have told me that Liverpool was a more with the better known side for counter pressing, I wouldn't have known it because I thought Arsenal's press was just far superior to ours. And then Belgrade just he just out-hustled us, and I mean. Know, there is the argument that if Daniel Sturridge had scored, yeah, we, we could be having a different yeah. conversation here because I do think maybe Belgrade may have, you know, might have folded there. But I think the team really needs to look at themselves at the moment because we are at a point in time where for a few weeks now we've been making excuses and saying, you know, we're just waiting for them to click. We're still playing well. We're still top of the league, pretty much, we're there or thereabouts. But we're, if we're not seeing much at all in terms of creativity or flair and I think if we're going to push on in Europe and in the league, that's something
1: that the team needed I mean, Kev, Robbie mentions that storage mister and it's <coughs> it's it, it seemed to affect him quite a lot, I thought. It seemed to be You know, it's a really bad miss, but after that, he just seems (coughs) determined to make up for it and and he just stopped passing. And and then, and that's when Liverpool are sort of at the worst, really. And then, and then people are like, well, he hasn't passed to me, so I won't pass (laughs) to him. And then it just, it just turns into this. I'll oh, get the ball and run and shoot rather than, rather than the kind of good football that we 100%. you know we know
3: people of. With Sturridge, it's it's a little bit more understandable for Sturridge to do what I think, because he feels like every time he gets in, he's got to take his chance because yeah. regardless of scoring, normally, if it's a big game, the next game, he's probably going to get dropped. So he feels like he's got to make a play for his position while he's in that position yeah. type of thing. So missing that obviously didn't help him. But... He's got that in his game, anyway. but what would he be more than Sturridge doing it? Was Salah and Manny both doing it as well? It feels like, mm. and for me now a little bit this season, it feels like they're all playing a little bit more for themselves than they were for the team last year. Now, I don't know whether that's got anything to do with the fact that the front three seems to be a lot more spread out on the pitch. There's a, It was more into play last year, wasn't it, rather than like dazzling runs, like beating three men. It was about passing the ball around three men and then finishing the six-yard box. Whereas this season, it feels like a lot more players are trying to Get the, pick the ball up in whatever position that may be and it's quite often a little bit further back than it was last year, trying to beat two and three men and then maybe looking for a pass or in, in most instances trying to shoot like my especially the other day the amount of times where he, should, he thought he could run directly through a player you know what I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not sure about physical laws he was trying to obey there but they weren't the ones I know about
1: <laughs> I mean he, he hooks Storage and Trent Alexander now another half time Amelia so he's obviously you know recognising that it's not working I think it was maybe a little bit harsh on them too or do you think it was a case of I mean I suppose he could have took any of them off early
0: yeah I think so with Trent he seems to have been in a bit of a funk for a while and if he starts again against Fulham I'll be quite surprised it feels like he needs a rest or just like some to change because it, it feels like that performance. It's not like it's been a long time coming, but it's kind of it's the latest in a series of kind of. Yeah, you're still
4: got that as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and with Sturridge, I think I I agree. I've seen quite a few people saying that he was selfish for the way that he played for the rest of the game after he misses that shot, and I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I kind of I agree with what you said in terms of like the psychology of you missed that shot, and it's kind of like he feels he needs to prove himself. It's not some sort of like selfish glory chasing thing. I think what really struck me though was. There's a long time and a lot of match left after that second Red Star goal. Yeah. And like, the fuck were we doing in it? Like, <laughs> I just, it, it, there was a lot of football that was played between, yeah. after that second goal, and there was just seemingly very little that we could do. Yeah. I mean, I'd say
1: second half, they were waste after the first half. I thought yeah. Robbie in that, and that, and, and I didn't think that was possible <laughs> when I watched that first half. I mean, obviously, that's when they get the goals, but at least first half, does... You know, they, they look like they might create something. Obviously, there's a studded chance, but there's a couple of other moments where if the ball had been better or whatever, or, or you know, the defending was good. Second half, it was just so easy for Red Star. I couldn't believe it. You're like, well, the onslaught will come soon, and then it just never did.
2: Yeah, there, there was a moment where I was convinced because I, I missed the first half because I was doing a play, and I got off I a quarter, second half on my phone, and I thought, you know, we're in this. Yeah, we'll come out and we'll we'll grab something back. And we just we we look clueless. We looked genuinely clueless. And I think for me particularly is I I think it's a tactical problem personally. I just think there's a lack of ideas in midfield and it goes back it goes back to January when Philip Coutinho left. Now the back in the last season, I think what we did is we, I think we were playing very direct, and we still are. But I think the idea was get the ball into the channels, let the forward lads pick it up, and let them do the business. But I think this season, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing Firmino dropping much much deeper, and I think the reason he's dropping deeper is because there's no conduit between midfield and attack. Yeah. So I think he's dropping deeper, and as a result, it, our front you know our front line is struggling, and. It, as a result, there's just no midfield there's no ideas in midfield whatsoever. I feel like if the midfield starts to pull its socks up, get its act together, and start looking just just start looking for balls in between the lines.
3: We'll we'll be doing better. It, but it's there's quick, none of that. Sorry, it's that quick pass, isn't it, from the midfield to the front man. It's it's not it's direct, but it's a, it's a twenty yard forward ball, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than Passing it around and maybe looking to go to the wings. It's about getting it forward into a danger zone for Liverpool. Because when we put when we're putting it wide, you, you can tell when we're playing badly. I think mm. it's because as soon as you start seeing us do three and four crosses in a row, because mm. we very rarely score from them. Mm. So seeing Andy Andy Robertson's got a wonderful whip on him and it's great. But if he's putting twenty crosses in the game, that would say to me that we're in trouble. Because when we're playing well, we don't play like that. You know. It's the type of cross as well, man. Because <laughs> that floated it, one. It's
2: got to be like yeah. you know, it's on the it's right on the point of the attack. It's when the labelled, when when they're coming from yeah. you know just just within your own attitude yeah. oh. it's frustrating beyond belief and you know there's no doubt in my mind that at the minute that they'll be aware of it and I think they're probably quite aware that they're not informed and that in itself I think will be a problem for them at the moment
1: Yeah I mean we're going to go into talk about the, the Fulham game Amelia but I think you know there's been talk about you know getting together and not exactly crisis talks but clear the air stuff and what worries me a bit is that we had this against Napoli and then I was like, oh, we won't play that badly again. And there wasn't necessarily the kind of big, big reaction. I mean, as, a, as an elite sportswoman as well, as an award-winning journalist, get <laughs> uh, ahead of myself. No, it's, it's, you know, what 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 do you think they should be doing coming back to kind of training on Wednesday and Thursday? Is it, is it keeping your heads? Is it kind of thinking, we'll keep the work going? Or do you think it does need a conversation where they all go, do you know what, what do you think's going wrong here? Because they did it last year after the Tottenham game and then went on this brilliant run.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I had the answer to that, <laughs>
4: I, um,
1: it was a big build-up, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> I am—I um, don't know because I think so far this season in Europe and kind of at home, I've—I've I've been saying when people have been negative about certain matches or the outcomes, I've been like, "Come on, look at where we are, look yeah. at the position we're still in." And it did feel like this one was kind of a point where you went, "Oh, come on, even I can't yeah. say that there's not something here that is worrying, and that if we don't sort it out now, it could." change the way that the rest of the season goes for us I I don't know I reckon like some sort of intervention not crisis talks but some sort of like come on now get your shit together needs so, to so Nancy
3: Robble said today that the, the after every game good or bad that they will have a, 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 a deep type of thing mm-hmm. and he alluded to the fact that he thought there would be some direct conversations to be had in this one so I think it feels like it does feel like a bit of a a precipice doesn't be fallen off. The, it, we, thought we were walking a tightrope with bad performances, but getting the wins, and that one we've yeah. lost it. So I think now hopefully they'll have well, sometimes all it takes is to listen, sit down and say, Listen, you need to pull your socks up. You need to pull your socks up. What's going on here? And a little bit of a clear the air talk sometimes will just pull someone out of a little mm-hmm. stupid won't it and make them build their own game up. Especially could, for the likes of Manny and for Sally, they might not need saying, Come on, you you need to book your ideas yeah. up, but if they see that the rest of the squad are looking towards them to pull us out of this that they can help, can't it? Yeah, and I
2: think I was thinking this. I was wondering if there's just elements of self-doubt amongst them at the moment because we were talking about we were grinding results out and sooner or later it's gonna click and when it clicks, we'll fly. Yeah. But it hasn't. So where does where does that leave them psychologically? Is yeah. that are they asking that question of themselves and is that something then where the manager's gotta actually say, Come on, you know what you're capable of get out there and do it. I
1: mean, that's that's a big thing, isn't it, Kev? It's, it's what they know the people of. And I know <clears throat> I, I listened to one of our subscription shows on Tour Play this week when you you were talking about this, you are talking about the fact that it doesn't have to be, oh, you know, you don't have to convince them that, that this is possible because they've done it already. And and also, they can remember back to this year, I wrote something for, for our website today talking about the fact that, you know, we remember all this amazing football last year, but actually this time last year, um, you know, we, we We'd only scored four goals three times in, in the league. It's exactly the same this time, you know. So it wasn't. It wasn't always this blistering and stuff, you know. We've been to City and, and Spurs and got battered, and so. You know, although there was it was it was, there was kind of more highs and lows and, and probably a few more highs. It wasn't that there wasn't that consistency. It wasn't that brilliant football for ten months. So we're actually in a better position now than we were this time last year. If we can kick on like we did last time, hundred percent. And that that is that's the big thing that
3: I'm taking solace in: the fact that we're not asking them to make a great great leap and to do something that they've never done before. We're saying, listen, go back to March this year. And do exactly what you were doing then. That's all we want you to do. We just need you to play the games that we've seen you play. We've batted some really big teams with basically the same squad we've got now. And we've done it with we've got now a bedrock to build on and a go with the goalkeeper and centre offs and the, and the fullbacks as well. To be fair, we've got some great players there who allow you if you do only get one in a game. You can nine times out of ten be confident that's enough to get you to win. Whereas last year, even in March, April, it wasn't enough to get you to win because we were going to concede. So all we're asking the others to do is raise the game not to new levels, not not even anywhere near new levels. If you get to 90% of what they were doing last year, we'll be absolutely flying and most teams won't be able to deliver us. So getting back to that point should be easy enough. It's just, it's just about getting them to. Listen, the word everyone keeps saying is probably people are fed up of hearing it click. Yeah. But if they do click, if they do, if they do click, we're going to be a scary prospect. Because if you're a team that you can't get the ball off, and even if you do, you've got to get through three locked doors before you can <laughs> score, do you know what I mean? You've got no chance, have you? And we'll have teams, the way City now have got teams coming and playing against them, and they're beating before they get there. Over, over Christmas, I've got no doubt you'll see teams going to at the Etihad, and there'll be resting players with eyes, eyes on games ahead, because they think, well, we know we're going to get beat there, and it doesn't make any difference to us. So they, you'll see teams doing that there. If we can just get into gear now, over Christmas, that's when teams will start doing it for Liverpool yeah. as well. They'll come to Anfield already beaten, and when that happens, that's when you can. Put your ups in there, put your Lallanas in there, at, but do it at Anfield, do it, in it where they're a little bit more comfortable, and do it in games where there's not a, a title to be walked to it when you know you're going to win.
1: Okay, uh, we're going to be back with everyone in the studio in part five talking about, well, looking ahead to the Fulham game on Sunday and what we do. But in the meantime, in our next part, Steven Gerrard there's a new film out about him, which is always terribly exciting. He scores loads of goals in it. Josh has seen it from the office, says it's absolutely brilliant. I, mean, Josh went to, I sent Josh to the uh, 10 a.m. screening on a Monday morning, in fact, and then I'm going the uh, the boozy one next day.
4: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair,
1: that's still not a bad job, Dan. Is it? Oh, it no. Monday morning, what are you up to? I'm having a nightmare, you know, going to see the Stephen Gerrard It's like <laughs> it's right by as well. He's got a, He's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a flat night next to because he's young and trendy. He's got a flat next to facts So I was like, you know, we can have a lion there, mate. What a yeah. boss! What a uh, boss! Uh, you know, go <laughs> the Jedi film. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to the boozy job next Thursday night. Where hopefully Stevie will be there and I can harass him again. <laughs> him. See how we get on. I'm probably I'm probably a 50% back home with me and Stevie to be honest with you. But, uh, but ask you about ask me about those if you ever see yourselves. Um, that wasn't meant to be quite the intro. is is um, Neil Atkinson talking to James Cavey to help make the film. I'm in a very busy, a very busy London
5: production office. Slightly echoey room as well with James Gay-Reese to talk about Maker's Dream. The film he's made, and his background, by the way, is Senna, is Amy, is these fantastic films about these incredible individuals, about Stephen Gerrard, Maker's Dream. And the first thing to say is, you wanted to do Stephen Gerrard, you're a Liverpool supporter, James, and that Stephen is, he is this significant, and I would say charismatic enough figure to carry off this sort of film.
6: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we do, we get offered a lot of um, movies about um, different sporting characters. You know, we did a film about Ronaldo, which is kind of, it's OK. It's not the best one we've ever made, but we did make Senna. And um, I've got quite finely tuned radar, I think, about what will make a substantial film. And obviously, Stevens had an incredible career, but it's got a lot of, you know, light and shade to that journey. You know, it's not just a straightforward Rise to the top like Ronaldo, where everything goes according to his plan and, you know, he becomes a complete alien as a result and kind of totally detached from reality because he's such a superstar. This is a very relatable story because the nature of Stephen's story is it's quite Shakespearean, you know. it has this incredible amount of pathos to it. You know, he gets within touch and distance of the greatest prize of them all and it doesn't work out. And I think that's why people who may not even be football fans that have seen it so far really respond to it because you're like... It's really moving. It's a very, very emotional story, and not in a obvious Liverpudlian sort of like you know focusing on. It's not doesn't overly focus on Hillsborough, doesn't overly focus on the city. Their factors, but there's something inherent in his journey which is just really arresting. He's someone who,
5: who, like the way in which opposition supporters still sing about him, I'm fascinated by. You know, it's 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 now over four years since the since the slip thing and all of that nonsense. And it's the way in which more than any other, I think, English football of his generation, including Rooney, he's, he's, he became unbelievably present in everyone's football and psyche. And I think that's the thing that sort of in our Liverpool bubble, we sometimes miss. And when we moan about the, the sheer lack of imagination of them singing about him, we actually miss the fact that what, that they are in, in one massive sense paying him a huge compliment, that he has effectively dominated the, certainly from an English point of view and certainly from a player's point of view, you can have a conversation about Wenger or Ferguson. But the English game since the year 2000, really, has been unbelievably prevalent in it. And he still is
6: almost paid tribute to with that nonsense from the terraces. Yeah, and I think that's why we ultimately wanted to make a movie about him, because uh, I put it down to the fact that if you're, you know, even if you're not a Liverpool fan, if you're a football fan, you know that Stephen Gerrard gave a shit. Do you know what I mean? And it mattered to him. I don't think, you know... I don't think I'm ever going to make a film about David Beckham. Fascinating man in some levels that he is. But, you know, but Stevie never went in that direction, never became a massive global celebrity because his priorities were different. Do you know what I mean? And I think that um, he just has this incredible kind of presence. He, he meant it, you know. He was, you know, the film deals with the kind of, you know, the, the trade between his ambition um, to win everything in the game and his loyalty to the city and to the club and the kind of the, you know, the price that that took on him because it clearly took a very significant, you know, toll on him, basically. Um And again, I think that's relatable. We can all appreciate that fundamental dilemma of, you know, what you're meant to do, you know. Do you, are you, and I think what's really interesting is um I was listening to a really fascinating interview with Damon Albarn on, on Six Music. I think it was the day before yesterday. Maybe it was Sunday. I can't remember. And he was talking about this new musical he's done And he was taking a big step back, Damon, and saying, you know, the thing about it right now is that the world's in a very tricky place. There are some very, very big issues to deal with. And it's right at the time when we all need to be coming together to sort out these issues. We're completely isolating and fracturing. So Brexit's isolations and Trump's isolations. Do you know what I mean? And what I love about Stephen, why I think the timing of the movie is good, is because Stephen doesn't go on a completely selfish solo journey. He basically does what he thinks is right for the collective, for his people, for his community. It's a very community-focused film. And I think that that's why it chimes with people because you don't have to be a Liverpool fan to appreciate the fact that this guy did, deep down, care really deeply about his deeper purpose. It wasn't just about banging the goals on the back of the net. Obviously, that was the kind of immediate manifestation. It was about him trying to fulfil some, some sort of destiny. When you... You left almost
5: in the, the the old Father Ted joke about the three ages of Elvis. You you can look at Stephen's career and you've almost got the three ages of Stephen's career. You've got the football that he was under Joulier, then you've got the football that he becomes under Benitez, and then you've got the, the final manifestation as the 1314 sort of leader of young men under Rogers. And now there's this fourth act as well. And you're almost getting them when you're talking to him. Now you did you told me off air you did six interviews, six long interviews that that underpin the, the conversation. You're almost getting them now. Where he now has to has to be do that fourth act thing for a number of other footballers, and he because he is, and this is one of the, the the key things about Gerard, and I'm sure it comes out in the film. He's got a remarkable intellect. There's a real brightness to him. It must be strange for him to have to now look back when he talks to you about these sort of delineations that
6: he's had. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, you know, we make a big point in the film because we were at one of our interviews with Hugh McCauley he talks about, and it is sort of in that period post Salisbury. He said, you know, everybody needed a lift, and he said he'd go to the training ground in the morning, and there was this eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, who every time he saw him training, he'd give you a massive lift. And there's an element of the city turning him to him and saying, you know, the club saying that kid, he's gonna, he's gonna, we're gonna pin our colours to that guy's mask, and he's gonna not save us, but he's gonna we're gonna go with him, and he's the chosen one in a sense, you know, sort of he's comes sort of Luke Skywalker in a way. And um, so, yeah, there's that that stage. And, you know, it's very interesting I remember pitching this idea to him, this kind of movie parallel idea to him. And he was like, I don't know what you're on about. I I was just playing football. I just enjoyed playing football. And actually in the movie, he goes, actually, I think they knew. I didn't know, but they knew. And they had a plan for me, basically. Of course, they had a plan for him. Do you know what I mean? Because he was that good. And so um, there are the different ages of him. And obviously the takeaway from the movie is that hopefully it comes full circle one day.
5: Yeah, that's the, the, the Rangers thing is something which is, it's difficult for some Liverpool supporters for reasons we don't need to get into now, but we can acknowledge them that he is, but it feels as though for Gerard that he needs that seriousness of purpose that Frank Lampard and Derby County, for instance, feels like a fit of sorts and that's not to, not to, not to criticise Derby County particularly, but like for Gerard, it almost needed to be so. And again, something else that almost ends up quasi Shakespearean in tone. That sort of oh, and now there's this. There's been all this, and now there's this thing. And that is, it is so Gerard when you actually stop to think about it. No matter what
6: your views are about Rangers as a football club. Yeah, I don't think he's particularly keen on taking the easy option. I think he likes incredible <laughs> challenges. You know, and I think that Rangers is is clearly a challenge. Um, and you know, I, I I sort of from what I understand that he was really up for it didn't need much convincing and I think that you know he wanted and put it this way I don't listen I don't know if he would have taken the Celtic jog if it was available I'm sure he would have done but I don't think um he wanted the easy option and I think he likes the fact that he's got it all to do um and it's just the nature of the man you know he's just he's got such self-belief that I think he thinks yeah I can do it you know put me in a kind of seemingly a situation with odds are seemingly stacked you know I want to rise to it
5: there's there's something in Mike Calvin's book where he details Gerard putting the cones out in the pouring rain at seven a.m. at Melwood under the, the under-18s. And again, this is a, a conversation about the seriousness of purpose with him that he's that he, he's prepared to work, he's prepared to graft, he's prepared to walk around in the rain at seven a.m. He's probably the you know we're talking about millionaires, yeah, unbelievable amount of wealth, and yet there he is prepared in a training session for the under-18s. Mike Calvin writes and that is he's driven by the desire to work I think it's a very shankly sentence a very old school sort of 60s 70s labour sort of feel of the importance of labour does that come through in the film?
6: It definitely does I mean as I said before I think the film it's all about you know his um, his uh, allegiance to his people and to his community and I think he believes in it and I think you know Again, I'm not the world's greatest LFC historian, but I think you know the the, the relationship of the club with, with the city, how they're intertwined, and how they are, you know, how people identify in the city to the club. I think you know he sees himself as a small part of that, and I think that even though he's had this heroic journey, I think he is he's a man of the people, for want of a better word. Do you know what I mean?
5: Is that would you say that? I mean, just to almost pull this away and discuss you for a minute. Is that what underpins you mentioned before that the Ronaldo thing? You never felt like it got going in quite the way you might have wanted. Is that something that underpins all your best work? Because Senna, for instance, is very much about somebody who embodies in the end a nation. Um, you know, uh, Amy, uh, which I can see the poster behind you, that's why it's in my mind. She very much managed to coalesce a lot of people around. A lot of people could identify with her. Is that Are they the stories you want to tell, the idea to people who can and do and have embedded themselves in communities?
6: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, listen, there's there's very little, there's not very much common ground between Senna uh, and Amy Winehouse we are however just finishing a film about Diego Maradona and I do jokingly uh, suggest that you know Diego is the bastard son of Vet and and Amy Winehouse <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of both of them in, in uh, our dear friend Diego but I just think whenever people you know Senna and Gerard you know what they're not dissimilar types in very broad brushstrokes yeah. you know what I mean so I think Steve is definitely closer to Senna uh, than is to Amy for obvious reasons but what Senna had was this unbelievable charisma and this unbelievable presence. And people literally used to think that, you know, he sort of was the son of God, do you know what I mean? He just had such a ridiculous uh, charisma overload and also the skill to back it up. And there was a very much a deeper purpose to what he was doing, uh, Senna. You know, I mean, listen, of course, he's a bit of a playboy and he you know, made plenty of money. But in the same way, there's a deeper purpose, I think, to what Stevie's doing, you know, and there was definitely a deeper purpose to what, um Ant and senna was doing amy is a more complicated story because she was by nature a very self-destructive person and so that 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 film's really an, uh, a sort of an analysis of you know why she was so self-destructive and why it was probably only ever going to end one way well see and senna and stevie aren't self-destructive people at all and so um I do think there's, there are many similarities between Stella and um, Stephen, just both cinematically and as sporting narratives.
5: You spent time with them beyond those interviews. Um, dead easy question, last one, before we do all the detail and tell people where to watch it and how to see it. Um, is he going to end up managing Liverpool? Say again? Is he going to end up managing
6: Liverpool? You'd have to ask him. I wouldn't ever presume to, uh, <laughs> uh, to work out what he's going to do with his career. But, um, you know, listen, I think there's not many Liverpool fans in, in, you know, in, on the planet who wouldn't at least find that idea quite enthralling, you know, but who knows? I'd, you know, I'd love him too one day, but it doesn't mean he's gonna. Um
5: all right then. The premiere of this is Thursday the fifteenth of November. Uh Thursday the fifteenth of November for the premiere. And then it's available on Amazon Prime from the twenty-third of November. To be confirmed. To be confirmed. We're, 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 that's
6: looking like the twenty third, maybe a little bit later, but it'll be around that date. Well if it is later, we'll tell you it's later.
5: We'll come back on the Anfield Wrap and we'll let you know next week on the weekend or if it is gonna be a little bit later. But it's been a pleasure to speak to James. Um we shall all watch it and then what we're all gonna do is we're gonna get James back and we're gonna have another chat about it. That's much longer for our subscribers. Uh, Really looking forward to that one. when We've all had time to digest it all on, Stephen. Until then, I can't wait to see it.
1: It's a Harry's insert. And Harry's have been supporters of the Anfield for a long time now. So I just want to say thank you to them uh, for sticking with us. And they must be getting some from it as well, which is good news all around. So nice one to you if you've enjoyed the Harry's offer. If you haven't yet, there is still time. You just need to go to harrys.com forward slash Anfield. That's harrys.com forward slash Anfield. And you get a trial set for 3 dollars 95 And they'll send you... uh, brilliant razor gel and all the gear that kind of goes along with that all the paraphernalia so yeah if you're uh, tired of rubbish razors basically and you want to get stuck in then do get involved in harry's um, you're always meant to do a personal endorsement on these sorts of things but to be honest i'm a bit of a rubbish shaver um i have sort of do it rushed in the shower without really looking and then leave a bit so i'm not sure what a personal endorsement from me would be worth to jeff and andy at harry's but but neil atkinson does it properly and he always looks terrific he's he's using the gel he's in front of the mirror he's looking the business both, you know, inside the bathroom and out. So, yeah, take a Neil Lakinson endorsement on shaving, I think, rather than a kind of a John Gibbons one, but... Yeah, I am still using the razor, and I'm pleased to kind of censor them. And, and Neil's sort of used through all this stuff and signed up and putting his money where his mouth is. So there you go. Um, I mentioned Jeff and Andy before they set up Harry's, and it's good to see them doing well and out and about. And every time I see them, I think they must be the company must be going well. And that's good news, and they deserve to because it is good, and I can not say that. Um, so in the pack, you get a, a weighted ergonomic handle. Yeah, er- ergonomic indeed a uh, fire precision engineer blades uh, with a lubricating strip and a sh- trimmer blade uh, that was tough for me to say a rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover that both me and neil lost in a day but i'm sure it's terrific as well um so yeah so get started with harry's today claiming your trial set for just three ninety five. go to harrys.com forward slash anfield nice one to the boys cheers for that and yeah back to the action and now from one Neil to another, a Neil Jones who, well, I was going to say today has interviewed uh, Alison Beck. I'm not sure, quite sure when it was exactly Neil, but it's certainly out today. Um, <laughs> Alison's been named by goal and uh, goal 50, which is your employer now as well in, in the 50, but also worth pointing out as the. The, the the top rated goalkeeper in that, which is maybe slightly surprising, but it's not just Liverpool fans vote for, for this. Obviously, it's it's um, football kind of journalists and experts all over the world, and I guess that shows how highly rated generally this goalkeeper we've got is now.
7: Yeah, absolutely, John. It's um, it's it's hundreds of correspondents of, of from goals 40, uh, 42 editions around the world, and I have to say we, we were all asked to vote for our top twenty five players. Um, that that was how it's it's compiled, and obviously the results are a all over. I won't give away. I won't give away any of the other places. This is the only the only the only teaser would allow allowing is Alisson But um, there was there was five goalkeepers on the list, so there was Alisson, um David De Gea, Jano Black, uh, Thibaut Courtois, and Gigi Buffon, and obviously Allison uh, for, for his performances largely at Roma, um, and I think with Brazil as well in the World Cup, he he, he got the nod. So. It does show, it does show, I think it shows A, that goalkeeping as a position is probably getting a little bit more recognition because I yeah. think that's quite a lot of goalkeepers to be in the top 50 players in the world. It's, it, I, I would imagine there hasn't been many years when that's been the case and it also shows that Liverpool have bought a pretty good one, hopefully anyway.
1: So how did you find him then? I don't know if it was the first time you've met him or at least spent a, a reasonable amount yeah. of time with him, but um, yeah, it, he, I mean he seems, a, he seems a confident fella to me, certainly.
7: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the that's the word i would used. Actually, he, he's got that character of of I think just an air of of, of sort of calmness and authority about him. You know, he he, he actually the interview was conducted. You know, obviously, I, I, I don't know if you've seen the video, but it's conducted in he speaks answers in Portuguese, which is translated. But he i am, I asked all the questions obviously in english, and he he answered the questions without a translator so he he understands english he's he's capable of of listening and 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 conversing in english he just he just said to me basically that I would prefer to answer in Portuguese for now just so I can I can express myself a bit deeper rather than just using a few you know the English words that I know. Yeah. So I think I think that tells you a little bit about him as well. He's he he's got no problem with the language. He's he's um i, know I had a, i had a bit of a chat off camera with him about Oasis and things like that, you know, he's an <laughs> Oasis fan. So so he's um he, he he's fine with that but I think yeah he, he, there's a few of these Liverpool players who come in Van Dijk being another one that you can see the sort of um the the sort of personality that Liverpool are are, are prioritising and the type of character that they're looking to get into the squad. And Alisson Mandai, even Shakiri to a degree, because I think he speaks very well as well. Um, They're they're the type of players that Liverpool are getting at the moment and now it's just down to his performances.
1: And I think it is worth putting out how quickly he has settled because obviously there's a lot of debate around Keita and Fabiano at the moment and their performances and... Whether you know they should be playing more, or 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 whether we should be going for the 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 tried and trusted, if you like, and Allison's kind of how he's hit the ground running for Liverpool sorts of seems to have been taken a little bit for granted. But it's not necessarily easier for goalkeepers, is it, to adapt? The Premier League's very different. They get less protection. He's playing, you know. He talks about how it's. He talks in the interview about how City is different and it's a different league, and he looks and acts like he's been playing for Liverpool for years.
7: Yeah, I think that's that's the the key, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't know how how I stand on the, the argument, but I, I think a lot of people say, you know, the best thing about the goalkeeper is if you don't notice him. Sometimes, you know, you don't, you, you know, it's nice when people talk about David De Gea, but to talk about him because he's making he's needed to make lots and lots of saves and he's having to sort of perform at this incredible level to, to keep Manchester United's heads above water at times. You know, you talk about someone like Hugo Lloris who. When he gets mentioned, obviously ignoring the off the field stuff, it's it's because he's made maybe a rash decision. He's come off his line and he's done things. Hallison's I mean, bad in the Leicester incident, and you know, at least that was that was not a costly one. It was sort of it was the right time to make that kind of mistake if it, if there ever, if there is such a thing. Yeah. But he's flown under the radar as his performances are just he's just part of the team already. And you know, you think back to the last what well, how many years? Five, six, seven years, where. There's always been a there'll always be that niggling doubt about the goalkeeper and you know, even towards the end of Pepe Reina's time, you know, is he is he on the way down, then Simon Mignolet is he good enough? Then Loris Karius is he good enough? And, you know, obviously the answers to those latter two in particular were were no, unfortunately they're not. I think I think they've the debate over the goalkeepers is died down. And that can only be a good thing for Liverpool because it means another position nailed down in the team. You think about the way Andy Robertson has done that with the left-back position. You think about the way the forwards have done that with the goal-scoring yeah. um, exploits hopefully now maybe the midfield will see over the course of the next few months that'll start to happen van dyke's done it with the defense a little bit it just it's a it's a far more settled team far more settled group of players and yeah i think you have to give them credit because you think back to De Gea, his first few months i know he was a younger younger man than, yeah. than allison but he struggled badly you know, I've seen Courtois have tough times when he came to Chelsea. He was he was, you know, having difficulties. Think about Claudio Bravo when he signed for Manchester City and, you know, he was supposed to take over from Joe Hart and got, you know, what what a struggle he had. Allison's been a lot more a lot more settled than that and you know, he's he's firmly established himself I think as Liverpool's Liverpool's number one and one of the best in the Premier League already.
1: So I mean I don't want to give too much away about the, about the interview it's obviously available to to read and view on gold.com but the other thing I did find quite sort of funny was Obviously talking about the time he, he came with Roma and he conceived five goals and he expected to be a yeah. sort of a, a, bit of a strange night for it, but he just seems to have thought it was brilliant, which I guess shows yeah. the the fact that Roma weren't necessarily expected to get there. And he's, he's just got, seems to have just fond memories of the, of the run with Roma, really. And they're not too bothered about the five goals. He just, you know, the fact that he's playing in the Champions League semi-final at Anfield, the ovation he got, he just seems to only have kind of positive memories from it all, really.
7: Yeah, absolutely, and that did surprise me a little bit because basically I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of the story behind it, it was we did Sadio Mane as well um, on the same day, so we had footage of, of the game, the Roma game, and obviously Sadio Mane scored oh and away against Roma. So we showed both the players the footage, and obviously Sadio's loving it, you know, saying oh, so, I'm sorry, sorry to Allison, you know, I, you know, he, he had no chance with these goals and all that, and he's he's laughing about it, and then. You sort of apologising to Alison, saying sorry about this. We're gonna to have to show you, you know, you letting in five goals here, and then and then going, you know, not quite getting to the final. And he was just all he kept saying was, he said, look at look at the, look at the walk on, you know, look at the atmosphere. It was fantastic. You know, it was one of those where you're just glad to you're glad to be on a stage like that. And he said, obviously I wasn't after an hour where it was five nil or whatever. He said, but yeah. you are, you do feel a sense of pride. That look at where I am. You know where I've come from in in the last couple of years. Obviously, he was still a relatively new goalkeeper to Europe. He still is. You know, even though he's 26, he's he's not had a great deal of experience in Europe. So for him to be at Anfield, I think he's, he 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 understood how big a thing that was. And obviously, I'm guessing as well at the time that he he had at least more than a slight inkling that Liverpool were were, were keen to sign him and that he may well end up there as a player. And I think. I think that gave him a bit of pride. He also mentioned, obviously, he came with Brazil a month, month or so later for the friendly against Croatia, and you know he was given a great reception that day when he was warming up down at the Kop end and things like that. So it just shows you that you know for all it, it maybe it's um, it's it, it's talked about and it's a bit of a cliche. Times the famous Anfield atmosphere and the Kop and all that. It does have an impact on players when they visit. It does make its mark, and, and it certainly do. But Allison.
1: Okay, so as we mentioned, this is part of the Goal Fifty series. So when can we all find out if Mo Salah's won or not?
7: You can find out on the twelfth of November. That's when the um, official official uh, announcement will be made for the um, for the Goal Fifty. Uh, there are there, there are a few Liverpool players in it, obviously, and I'm sure you can work out roughly who who those players are. But Alisson's Allison's in there, the top ranked goalkeeper. Uh, and then obviously we'll find out where the rest of them lie uh, in about a week's time or, well, three or four days' time.
1: So, yeah, good luck to Alberto Moreno and, uh, yeah, thanks a (laughs) lot to to Neil Jones for joining me to, uh, yeah, shine a little light on his chat with Alison. It's the Reds Bet insert, it's uh, John Gibbons, Amelia's at her legate, she's got awards to win in that book. Craig Walsh and Robbie O'Neill have hung on, which is very kind of them. And I'm going to go through some of the Reds Bet specials for the weekend. Before I do, uh, Reds Bet are partnering us this season and we're delighted that they are doing so. Uh, because we believe in what they're doing, basically give 50% of their profits back to support the causes. They're working really hard on giving this money out at the moment. So share the glory with them, but obviously also gamble responsibility responsibly sorry and be gambler where we're not encouraging people to gamble but if you do gamble then have a look at where it's better and what they're doing and maybe choose to spend your money with them okay so we've got some specials I'm going to run through them and the boys and they're going to say what yeah or nah or five (laughs) out of or or things out of five whatever your boys want to do um It's funny. If, 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 I mean, I don't know how how, how Robbie's going to go on this one because he's part of the boxing community. They've gone on like an ideal Saturday, for, well weekend for Liverpool. Okay. Is Liverpool to be fallen by four or more goals and Bellew to lose? But obviously, <laughs> like you know, late. he might be he might be someone who you uh, you knock about with in the boxing world. I don't know him, no, but
2: I do like him, So I I that, that <laughs> not I love scouts. Scal- scouts boxers, whether they're blues or reds, some you know, I'm on, I'm on board with them. So.
1: No, that's if we go enough. Kev, I can give you 5-2 to two. Liverpool to be followed by four or more goals and Belly to lose. Would you, would you be tempted by I that? Think that's, I think that's pretty much a guarantee. Either. I think we'll win 4-0. I can't
3: see him beating Yusuf. I don't know whether I'd want him to be drive He's all right, isn't he? Not, <laughs> <laughs> he's not the end
1: of the world. He's a, bit, <laughs> he's a bit pantomime with all the kind of liverpool Everton stuff, isn't he? I'm sure he doesn't mean it. He's not even Price, I mean, that's all <laughs> I'm saying. Okay. Um, so there's a few in terms of scorers. Who, who do you fancy to score at the weekend? I'll give you some odds. Danny Sturridge. shut what, what, storage? Okay Sturridge to score First or last uh, Six to
3: four That's mm, That's a little bit short I'm off For me uh, A goal Well more than one goal So two or more
1: I yeah, haven't got that on my specials I'm afraid But um, so You can tell we haven't heard this <laughs> <laughs> Okay um, In terms of most, most Salah To score And Liverpool to win And both teams to score Is five to two do you, I mean, do you fancy Fulham to get one? I mean, Cardiff scores one, didn't they? So that that would have come through the Cardiff. They are better going forward than they are kind of going back. Mm, I wouldn't. No, is me is me state that. <laughs> I think it's at Liverpool to
3: nil as the year is, will be the best for me this weekend. All right, I
1: might have one for you there then, Robbie. Liverpool to win to nil and Bellew to win ten to one. I'd go with that. Yeah, I would because I
2: fancy Bellew to win by knuckles.
1: Do you? I do. He's his best. He's his best when he's sort of bit of the underdog, isn't he? He is. He is, and he, he can he can punch Consoni So <laughs> ten to one's not bad. That feels all right to me. That like Liverpool to to win to nil. I mean, even even you must be a little bit tempted, Kev. I'd have a teller on. the <laughs> <laughs> faces all over here, and if the other one is Liverpool to win one two or three nil, two to one. It's it's how many you think they'll score I suppose isn't it yeah I, th- I think as I say I, I fancy us to get a few against
3: the Fulham on Sunday and put all this little talk of a mini crisis behind us so I'd, I think I'd be going for the more more than
1: the more than four four plus would be the uh, bet for me to, on Sunday okay there's absolutely loads of specials there on Red bet so you've got Van Dyke to score ahead a Milner to score a penalty Liverpool to win to nil um, all those as well there's also all those picks which I always like uh, Liverpool, Leicester and Chelsea all, all to win I think Chelsea got quite a tough game I think Chelsea uh, got Evan. oh, I think, oh so, I'll think i tell a lie uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, 29 to 20 uh, which is fine it's just what's 20, 29 to 20 one you know, and one yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> absolute maths from the boys here. <laughs> so yeah go to, go to Redsbet.com do have a little look as I say if you do enjoy your bet then Redsbet's a good place to do it the website's fantastic there's always Liverpool specials but we do encourage you at all times to gamble away um, cheers anyway that's been your Redsbet and set back to the main show now we are joined on the phone by Daniel Gray who long time listeners of the Anfield Wrap will know uh, he's our Middlesbrough correspondent if and when that, that comes up um, but he's also an esteemed author um best-selling i'd go as far to say dan and you've uh, you've got a new book out for christmas
8: what a job to be in Middlesbrough correspondent! that's all I ever wanted as well truthfully so <laughs> just brilliant I, I've forgotten what the other question was oh yes I have I've Books. written a book I've written another book uh, timed beautifully for Christmas as ever called Black Boots and Football Pink 50 Lost Wonders of the Beautiful Game which if any of the listeners manage to buy Saturday 3pm is really the follow up to that though it goes even further back in time and, and charts a number of things uh, that have gone mostly gone anyway from the game things like goalkeeper papers in trousers, proper division names, turf patterns, pixelated scoreboards, all those kind of things, and of course the, the evening pink newspapers of, of the title.
4: Yeah,
1: and what we used to call our post-match show, of course, until the marketing people of made course, us stop. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I really enjoyed the book, so nice one, and thanks for sending me a copy. Um, what I sort of liked about it was it's, it's not, sometimes kind of football nostalgia can be a bit like everything used to be great and everything now is, is rubbish, and and it it doesn't do that. It's uh, there's a really nice line in the um, in the in the introduction that I'm not going to do justice now because I can't remember the exact wording. But it was <laughs> something something about um, drawing a ghost as it leaves the room. And yeah, it,
8: that's ske- sketching the ghost as they left the room. That's uh, better uh, before they leave the room. I just did it wrong as well, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ske- sketching the ghosts before they leave the room, um, as in capturing some of these things in in print. The reason I wanted to do it was because I've been going for thirty years to football for 30 years this year my first game was in December 88 and of course that same season is you know the worst in your history 88-89 so I was really aware that I don't, didn't want to be revisionist and say wasn't it all brilliant so there are 50 entries 50 short chapters about things but by no stretch am I saying wasn't the game better then because when I think back first going with my dad um, I'm glad that, the conditions in which I take my daughter now are so different. So it's not completely rose-tinted. I was very aware of that. But at the same time, I wanted to mark all of the changes that have happened in those 30 years because it has been the biggest period of change in football's history, I think it's fair to say.
1: Yeah, and what I also liked about it is that some of them you're obviously quite passionate about in terms of, you know, the you know st- stuff you kind of loved, and then some of them you just... This was funny, wasn't it? Let's not forget that this happened and there's that kind of nice balance between, oh, I wish football was still like this and and, and also kind of a little bit of a, let's just remember the streakers are funny, we might not get one again.
8: Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly that. And, and just... Um yeah like you say not not always, but some of them were difficult to, to because the, some of them aren't fully gone at the type of football I go to up, up here in Scotland ones like ram ramshackle um dugouts there's still some ramshackle dugouts here and, and grumpy grumpy turnstile operators so I do have a sort of caveat in the introduction that you can just about find some of these things uh still and it just feels to me though that the pattern is that they are disappearing from view. and as you say not always for the for the for the worst and, and I just thought it was important to, to mark these um, regardless of how I felt about them. One of them is the terrible goal kicks and foul throws. I don't necessarily miss terrible goal kicks quite <laughs> for instance love watching the kicking of, of uh, Jordan Pickford if I can say so on a Liverpool podcast. But at the same time it was worth marking how often they used to go out of play. And there's you know there's, there's a lot there was a lot more comedy in football I suppose.
4: Yeah,
1: I think I mean that that's right. And a sort of a lot more I don't know. It, it, something else that came across on me is, is obviously the, the greater kind of commercialization of the game and also kind of the, the globalization, uh, for probably a better word, in that Yeah. Uh, there's something I really liked in, in it that I've sort of forgotten about was like how sort of basic the sponsors used to be around the ground. So now, I mean, especially at Anfield, you know, it's if you haven't got a billion pounds to your name, you're not getting a, an advertising hoard Whereas we used to have the local scrapyard. <laughs> You know, yeah, it was, was yeah, Norton exactly for scrap was on there, um, <laughs> and and you know a, a local taxi firm, yes, and yeah, five hundred quid you can have your name by yeah, the thing. Yeah, I and,
8: mean um, somewhere like Anfield, that's particularly incredible. Yeah, the, the, the chap that chapter's called uh, local advertising, uh, shirt sponsors and hoardings or something along those lines, and it was exactly that. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying it's better because it's better that you've got a good revenue coming into the club now of the types that that are paid. But it's just marking how, how those brilliant sportswear makes lower down the division as well, like Spal or Spal, however it was pronounced. <laughs> and all these different shirt makes that I'd forgotten about before I really sat and and just thought about about what the how you know how different. Physically, the game was to look at. But you mentioned that loss of individuality. There are a few that, if anything, is the theme in the book. I think because there's a chapter on goal nets. How different goal goal nets used to be a stanchion a hook, and now they're fairly generic. There's a chapter on the different pitch patterns you used to get. You used to get pinstripes or deck chair stripes or tartans. If you look back at one of the geeky books that I I own, the Aerofilms guide. If you look back at the grounds in the early 90s, they've all got very unique patterns on the pitch. And turns out a lot of that is because UEFA stipulate the exact um, width of turf of patterns. Now, not all of these losses of individuality that I suppose say something a bit more about society as well and its sort of chain store football, in a way.
1: Yeah, there's... <laughs> Some of the stuff I kind of really liked in there was the kind of throwback to your size, almost it's determining how you, how you, were, what position you are. And I think the, uh, you know, I mean, it was obviously, so, you know, the defenders are slightly bigger, but generally all footballers are athletes now. And I think that's part of the reason why Liverpool fans have taken to Zhirichikiri a bit because he's such an unlikely kind of shape. It, yes, but the idea definitely. of the kind of, um, the idea of like the, the portly lad in centre midfield, he can't run, but he can pass it about a bit. And then um, it, if, you, if you're skinny and nippy, you're stuck on the wing. And, and that kind of idea that made football a lot closer. To basically what we did in the in the playground.
8: It's exactly- Exactly that, isn't it? I mean, it's similar to the, the Grounded with a chapter called Fat Players in Saturday 3pm. It's it's that thing about being able to relate to them a lot more because of, cause they're not absolutely... Because, you know, the, the, the modern ones just make us look terrible. When you stand next to a modern footballer, you just feel even more unfit and horrendous than you actually are. So I, I'm <laughs> harking back to that. And, and, you know, I wrote a chapter called Old Fashioned Wingers, which I hope hasn't lapsed into cliché because it feels like such an old man thing to say. But it is particularly about that that um, whipper snapper winger that wasn't really in the game for vast stretches and just stood there hugging the touchline all on his own and had no defensive responsibilities. And similarly, physically, there's a chapter about bald players. And I had to think hard about that because, of course, you know Newcastle's midfield uh, contains a bald footballer, certainly. But it was a certain type of physical <laughs> bald player. The, the same, you know, if you saw him in the street, a fishmonger or selling your parents' insurance, you wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Just looked like us. And um, when I thought about bald players, they were very rarely centre-forwards and always workmen like centre-midfielders. So it was strange when I thought back that that your you, you baldness could determine which position you played in almost.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, unless you're Italian and then you, then you sort of get away with it. Then you can yeah, do yeah. you different, different, <laughs> different, different type, I suppose. Um, yeah, so it's it's out now I think it is right am I, am I saying? yeah it
8: came out a couple of weeks ago uh, it seems to have got nice conversations going particularly about football pinks themselves uh, as I think it's fair to say just about every city in Britain seems to have had one yeah. um, and even two in, in some cases and, and it just feels like a, an absolute marvel thinking that they were ready by half past five with all that detail oh, yeah. and a picture from the game and that was such an important part of my first 15 years of going probably and a lot of these chapters come from the fact that I was clearing my mum's house out and she, she had so much of my stuff, so I was, I was keeping certain items, keeping a load of covers of old sports gazettes from Middlesbrough. And so I started to think that these um, mementos that I still have could, could be ringed into a book that would pay me some money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you doing any signings or anything posh like that? At the, the Avenue in the Middlesbrough megastore?
8: Not, not, not as yet. I mean, I'm waiting for the phone call on that particular <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sort of concentrating on the the online side of things. So I've made quite a few little films, uh, again, about this one, but all of them homespun uh, via using my old sports gazettes as, as backgrounds and, and little things like that. So just being a bit more different way of getting the word out about it.
1: Oh well best of luck to you and I hope it does really well. I, I thought the when you know the when Saturday comes review as well was absolutely brilliant wasn't it. You yeah that was me, great, it was great yeah. I mean, just Cheers, John. <laughs> it's all right. So, yeah, it's Black Boots <laughs> and Football Pinks for 50 lost winners of the beautiful game. It's out now from uh, Daniel Gray, uh, published by Bloomsbury. It's it's a it's a proper stocking filler. In fact, it's a good size for the stocking as well. You could actually get it in the stocking. I'm just trying to do a
8: new advert. I'm trying to see if it fits into a football sock as, <laughs> as, a, as a, a little gimmick there. And all my football socks are so manky and, and disgusting that I think it perfectly fits the ethos of
1: the book. There you are, Daniel Gray. And if he was a footballer in the 80s, he would have been described as having a cultured left foot. Um, But yeah, thanks a lot for joining us, Dan. And yet now we're going to go and look ahead to this weekend's action. And now back in the room, John Gibbons host, and I'm joined by Robbie O'Neill, by Kev Walsh, and by Amelia Bonner. And we're going to look ahead to Fulham now. When Amelia, I mean, every game feels like a big one now, doesn't it? Just because of, you know, what the table's looking like, what a Man City are doing. But it would be nice to not just win, but sort of make a little bit of a statement, if you like, if that's not another cliche after the click. but make a little bit of a statement going into this international break.
0: Yeah, the thing is, I know that we say this quite a lot as well, but they do just need to win. like, And that should be fairly straightforward, because if you look at the two teams you've got in front of you, they just need to win equally putting on a bit of a performance couldn't be better timed at this point and kind of, like, sparking people's belief in what we can actually do. And and I know it's against Fulham, but kind of just being like, look, it's easy, we can do this. Like, you know, there's nothing to worry about that much. Also, I think kind of maybe Kaita comes back. It would be nice if Kaita was on the pitch again. I don't know. I I think you've got options and maybe a different formation playing. And I I just think it'll be fine. (laughs) <laughs>
4: I really just do We'll, well, well, we'll one <laughs> less
0: we'll
1: thing to worry about <laughs> <laughs> Sleep easier tonight, Mila really. As long as, as Jürgen knows i it <laughs> <laughs> And after the end of the Anfield draft I love the way you turned them to be mum halfway through, uh, I mean, Tough footy analysis then But you know what, <laughs> it'll be fine There's always
0: next year <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> Mentioned mention Kiter there, Kev. Um, we have got a few options. We obviously Shakiri comes back in for this. Kaiser was on the bench. Jordan Henderson's in the England squad, so you'd assume he's he's close at least. Um, You're gonna see quite a few few of them brought in for this one. Just if it feels like everyone could do
3: with a bit of a freshening up, couldn't he? Just let's let's take everyone who's got the tired legs out of there. I know Milner's got two weeks off now, but I'd, I'd give him Sunday off as well. Maybe put him on the bench or whatever. Wine Is he looking a bit leggy? I don't know. He, he's a bit like the Jordan self, bunny, he never stops anyway. But I'd put Henderson in there, I'd have Kaiser in there, I'd have Shakiri playing at the point of the three man midfield, and I'd have Sturridge up front. And I'd say to Femino, listen, it's not dropped, all we're doing for you is know, just letting you have the break. Because I don't know what he's going to do with Brazil, you don't know what the. the Both the games is. are in the UK, so that's well, that's, a, that's bonus,
1: isn't it? a bonus. Yeah, you don't obviously know how much you'll play in them, but at least he's got no travel. But
3: I said, well, I'd say to him then, listen, you've got a perfect little period now where you can have a bit of a rest. Let's start it from after Red Star, do you know what I mean? Maybe say you'd be on the bench on Sunday, but it's not it's nothing more than just a nice rest for you. Plus storage up fronts against them, you'd fancy them to bag, wouldn't you? Put the other two around them. I and I think with the the fresh legs in the team, I think you only other point where you'd probably look to make a change would be maybe Gomez goes to the right back and let sense have a little break as well because he's looked leggy, hasn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you've been doing some uh, on-the-ground reporting for us, Robbie, speaking to Fulham fans of yeah, you now, and um, <laughs> they've, they've ensured you that they're rubbish. Yeah, yeah, they have. They
2: have. <laughs> <laughs> and they
1: don't steal all your lines, mate, you exactly, want to rob your yeah. best stuff, yeah. But,
2: yeah. Uh... Scout reporting, you fucking fucker. No, have my flatmate's a Fulham fan, and after the Arsenal game, he was like, don't worry, mate, you'll beat us next week. <laughs> <laughs> I was
4: like,
2: do you reckon? And he was like, and he was like, we are really bad. And I think, I don't, I don't envy being a a newly promoted, a supporter of a newly promoted side. It must be grim. Because I think a lot of teams like Fulham come up and they think, you know, we'll, we'll probably, we'll mid-table this year. You know, we'll get a good start and we'll mid-table. But I think what Fulham are seeing at the minute is, it's all about levels. I know that, I know a lot of players that people were raving about for Fulham last year, like Sessignon, haven't really been able to hit it off this year. Because there's a massive difference between a championship right back and a Premier League one. Do, do you know what yeah, I mean?
1: Yeah.
2: So, um they're not. I, I mean, from what I, from what my flatmate was telling me, like he's, he, he's like the source of all information for Fulham or something. Eh, they're not hopeful whatsoever, no matter whether we we're clicking or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you bring in a team to to Anfield earlier, you you want to feel. More solid defensively than Fulham at the moment. They've conceded yeah. more goals than any other team in the Premier League, and it does just feel like a nice one for Liverpool. Yeah. This doesn't it? They've got a little bit of an extra break with it being Tuesday, Sunday. That's quite a nice way for the games to fall. They'll have a few a few days to you know to to be speaking to each other, sort of all those issues that we talked about in part one and. Yeah, I mean, twelve o'clock kickoff is an ideal. I know. I know. Jurgen hates the morning ones, but but still, it does feel like if you could have chosen a game yeah. to have after after the, the Red Star debacle, this is probably it.
0: Totally, and I think as well. So, my source of all information is Raffi Gutman. he okay. um, he's, he's eight. He, he uh, yeah, I think eight. He's yeah. kind of ageless in a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, um, it was when it was like when we were watching a City game. I can't remember when it was. Or it might be after He basically said that it, you know it felt like we had that very hard run. That kind of then it felt like we. Should have had a slightly easier bit. And yeah. I don't know if necessarily we have. Maybe we've thought the Red Star was going to be part of that. But I, you couldn't have picked, other than maybe Cardiff, a nicer game to have the weekend after this um, and to kind of just not to say it'll be fine again, but it's kind of be like, we've got this, like of all things we can feel some degree of confidence in, beating Fulham at home is one of those things. <laughs>
1: what would you do with the team, Robbie? we have heard saw a little bit of Kev's ideas. Have you got a sort of, I mean, how many changes would you look to make or would you just sort of rely on the fact that for a lot of them, they just, you know, you want to see a reaction in them? I I, I, I really want to see Kaiten and Fabinho play together at some point.
2: I think it's important, but I think Fabinho, I know he's been getting a lot of st- stick lately. But I, I can see, I can see a player there personally. I can really can. He gets about the pitch well. He's not scared of a tackle. He, he keeps it simple, but at the same time, he's got a bit of vision, I noticed, against Red Star in particular. Yeah. He was, you know, he's keeping the ball on the ground, but he was, he was playing it between the lines a few times. And I want to see him with Kaita because I think if you've got someone like Fabinho in there, it might give Kaita the license to drive forward. And I think that's one of the things that people will talk about when we signed him was that you will pick the ball up deep and he will drive and I think that's another thing that we're missing at the moment someone who can pick the ball up drive and actually support a counter attack in a way where our, where our forward players are you know the support the supported more. and so I'd like to see them two star personally maybe with, if Shaqiri is at the, at the top of that at, that might be a shout
1: it's, en- it's energy as well, Kev, that we're sort of missing a little bit from the middle, and, and Kai- both Kaito and Fabinho have had the problems this season, obviously, but what they do offer you is his ability to get about the pitch. In fact, Fabinho surprised me a little bit how much he wants to get up the pitch. We thought we were going to get this guy who was going to sit in front of the back four, but he seems a bit bored of all that, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, and and Kaiter, I mean, he's he's live, he's like a little Jordan Cell buddy, isn't he? And so... Maybe, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that Wijnaldum and Milner are lazy by any stretch of the imaginations, but, but just that, that they've played a lot of games and just that bit of zip, bit of that kind of natural zip about them just, just might bring a bit more.
3: Yeah, 100%. They've, listen, Wijnaldum and Milner have played in, I said you on another show the other day, six weeks ago we were talking about the run that we had in the next six weeks being unbelievably difficult when we played a lot of the top teams. We played... a Difficult European away games, and you're gonna you're gonna be leggy after that. So to bring fresh legs into the midfield, where we are looking a little bit tired, is what you need to do. But I think I'd be a little bit worried about a three-man midfield of Fabinho, you Kite, know, and Shaqiri. Mm. You know, there's not much there's not much experience playing together there, is there? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think you're probably looking more Henderson. I for me it'd be Henderson, Kite, Shaqiri, I think that works mm. a little bit. It just gives us a little bit more experience, a little bit more just a little bit more of a calm and influence. You could, then what the three of them got a bit of a, you could see them running around on fire at some point, For, for you know what I mean? But like that what's gone wrong here, whereas Henson, you don't really get that. I know he gets a lot of stick, not from, not from the likes of, well, not from me, not from people I know really, but I think he, I'd put him in there. Kate, said, I think if you put him in on a game like Sunday, he, that's the type of game he can run you can look at them and just think, yeah, I can take you to a party and yeah. do the business. And I think Shakiri's exactly the same. I think everywhere else on the pitch sort of takes care of itself a little bit, but that midfield, if we can get people played into a little bit of form in a game like Sunday, that's the perfect time to do it. Are we going to win,
1: everyone? Yes. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It'll all be... It'll
4: all be fine. It'll all be fine. It'll all be fine. It so... just will, honestly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, oh, Huge thanks to everyone who's joined us on this show. A cast of thousands. Good luck tonight, Amelia. Thank Bring her home, home, you. home, home well, for home for the Amelia. team. Yeah. And um,
4: yeah, up the Reds. See you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.